0: I guess maybe I've just got a lot to say. I'm not sure. I uh, the first time I launched this whole podcast concept, this whole idea, I felt like man, am I going to have enough opinion? Am I going to have enough things to say? I guess. I guess we're good. No no worries. No worries squad. We're going to be all right. Your boy's got he's got plenty of opinions here. So anyways, back at it. The third episode of the podcast and Man, I watched the uh, the Tyson Fury. I don't know. It's fairly well known at this point that I'm like a boxing combat sports fan. I've said on here that I really don't pay much attention to anything other than drag racing. And I guess it's been a lie. I, I never thought about it. I always kind of figured it. I was making that statement based on motorsports. Like I don't really pay attention to any other type of motorsport. And not a whole lot of anything else. But I do pay pretty close attention to, um, like, the UFC, mixed martial arts, combat sports in general, boxing. Boxing is a tough one when it's interesting. It's been a long time since it's been interesting for boxing. It's been a long time since it's been exciting for boxing. There's a handful of matches here and there, but not anything consistent, unfortunately. And I just, this this pay-per-view I watched last night, first and foremost, this shit, 80 bucks. $80. Eighty dollars. My wife, Alicia, God bless her. She was. I got her invested in this fight, and that's what I'm here to talk about today. I got her excited about it, and she wanted to watch it. So it was late. We weren't going to do anything. It was kind of a Saturday night in, and we were both exhausted. Actually, we we're going to go to bed, and I'm like, "No, let's 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 watch this fight." So, anyways, we click on through un- unimaginable amount of work, by the way, that I had to go through to to get this fight unbelievable i had to subscribe to espn plus which is a monthly fee or something then i had to click through first off i had we had to buy a roku we went through this thing recently uh we have dish network or whatever so to even access espn plus is a little bit of a conundrum we had to buy a roku i don't know how much that thing cost like 20 bucks probably not a lot subscribe to espn plus which is a cost, monthly cost, I believe. Then, it's a subscription-based deal. Then, I had to buy the actual pay-per-view. Again, $79.99. I thought Alicia was going to lose her mind. She looked at me like I had three heads. And I was too far gone. There was no way I was going back. There was no way I was turning back. $80 bucks was not going to scare me off. It did. Admittedly, I paused. I did. I paused. I It forced me to like kind of take a deep breath and just adjust my shoulders or something? Not that it's like an unimaginable amount of money, but to think about it's 2020, I guess. So, I mean, I just 80 bucks, $80 US on anything that's going to show on my TV seems absurd. Like unless it's going to give me a massage, whisper sweet nothings in my ear. It seems very difficult to understand any reason I'd pay 80 bucks for something that my television's going to do right? That's just crazy. It's not even, it's not like VR. I'm not in the fight, right? So anyways, I'm all spun out here. I was trying to make a point though. A big conversation in, in drag racing lately has been paying for content. They're one of the major live streaming producers, speedvideo.com announced like right after the first of the year that they were going to a, a subscription-based model, a monthly paid to, to view thing. And it was just funny to think like, I, it's like 20 bucks a month to watch 60 drag races throughout the course of 2020. You get your wallet out that one time and it, it, it dings you or whatever and you can move forward and you can watch all these different races as you please. Like you can come and go as you want, you can watch archived versions of them and I don't get a kickback. I think I do if I sell, that might be a lie. I think I do get a kickback from Speed Video if I sell, I should put a link, I get a kickback. I get a kickback for everyone that I sell, but that's not what I'm doing here. I'm I'm what I the point I was trying to make is that I'm not trying to promote their deal it just made me think holy crap I just spent $80 for a one-time pay-per-view and people are losing their minds in drag racing to pay for 60 race I, whatever it just made me really think about just the where we're at in sports and where we're at in the world and how important storytelling is I think about the job that was done. And this, I was actually also reminded of this during the recently completed Daytona 500. Not a big NASCAR guy, but I did watch all the kind of pre-stuff the United, the president of the United States is involved. He's going to be the grand marshal of the race, Donald Trump. And I thought they did a phenomenal job just with all the pomp and circumstance. And that's really one of the things that I wanted to talk about today, or the main thing I wanted to talk about is just how important that pomp and circumstance is. There's two parts of it. There's a, there's a pomp and circumstance part that I want to talk about specifically. I think today, there's also a storytelling component. And maybe at some point I can talk about that at length because it's kind of obviously our specialty here at drag illustrated for 15 years, we've been telling stories about drag racers. So but the point specifically, and I'm just going to set the stage for this real quickly. Storytelling, very important in the promotion and growth of anything, of any effort, any project you're on. You got to be telling the story all the time, telling the story, repeating the story, letting people know who you are, what you're doing, what, why we should care, right? And over the course of the last several weeks, so the last year, basically, boxing, Top Rank Boxing, which is a promotion, a boxing promotion, they have been telling us the story and why we should care about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, why we should care about these two guys individually, their respective stories, Um, a a strong black man from from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, from humble beginnings, fighting the good fight uh, local boy makes it big, phenomenal story. Tyson Fury, the gypsy King, um, all this traveling kind of carny lifestyle that we've all seen in the movies or whatever. And he's made it big. He's a family guy. He's got two brothers. He struggled with mental health issues. He, he struggled with substance abuse. He's fought all these battles and here he is back at the top fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. Like inarguably the, the title, like if there's a, in my opinion, if I could be if I could win any title in the world, it'd be the heavyweight championship of the world. like that has to be universally respected as like the most badass sporting accomplishment in the world. Win in the Super Bowl, huge, win in the World Series, huge. win in the NBA Finals, big deal, win in the Daytona five hundred, big deal, win in the Indianapolis five hundred, big deal. Uh, all these things, no doubt. but to win. To be the athlete that wins the heavyweight championship of the world, that's that's close to the ultimate. So, top rank, ESPN, Fox, I don't know all the production companies that were involved in this. I wasn't paying that close of attention, but I was paying attention to the fact that they did a phenomenal job telling me these stories and getting not only me, Wes, interested in the fight, but my wife and other people. Like They do a great job of telling the story and getting us all sold on this. So sold that we're going to drop 80 bucks to buy a pay-per-view. That I was literally clicking the center little button on the Roku thing, the com- the remote. Shout out to Roku cuz this thing works. I hate the name. It sounds weird. I hate saying it. it feels goofy, but the the function it works really well. I'm pretty impressed with it. So I click the the checkmark thing in the middle or okay or whatever it is. Buy the the seventy nine ninety nine pay per view, and I instantly had this like, God, I hope this fight goes like more than thirty seconds. Like, I hope it lasts at least a couple rounds, because this is going to be tough to take. Especially my wife's over there in the recliner, and if if this fight's over in four seconds, we're gonna, it's gonna, yeah, I might as well just stay on the couch, you know, just watching watching the shows for the rest of the night maybe pick a series on Netflix to binge watch because it's going to be a rough evening but not really but it was I'm sitting there going please last a little while but then the fights the, the pay-per-view kind of starts they have an undercard I watched three or four matches really great a couple of great fights actually I watch uh but what I the conversation today is Oh, the presentation, the pomp and circumstance, how over the top this is. I'm watching this unfold and as the fight is drawing the near, the pay-per-view fight's drawing near, I'm watching this and I'm going, I don't care if they fight. I mean, it's great. I'm glad they're going to fight, but I've seen... Tyson Fury carried to the stage on a golden throne. He is being carried by women clad in gold reflective leather outfits, tight fitting uh outfits. They've got the 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 thing on their shoulders carrying this man wearing a crown, a cape, fur spectacular. Oh, a little cheesy, no doubt. No doubt, but over the top man the the presentation of this lights music he's singing along the camera work is fantastic the, the crowd shots the place is going bananas and i'm thinking the the fight they've done such a good job setting the stage that the fight's obviously the the icing on the cake it's the most important thing or it's the primary function for sure but when you put all these things around it you kind of, you lessen the burden. Now, granted, if the fight's great, all this other stuff is, it's gravy, right? If the fight sucks, at least you have all that other stuff, right? So when all that other stuff, all the, the sideline attractions are huge and awesome, it takes a little pressure off your product. Uh, it takes a little pressure off the, the final happening. It really does, because... All these other things have been great. I thought about this with the Daytona 500. I'm watching the Daytona 500. Trump's there, the Air Force 1 does the flyover, the Blue Angels do this crazy flyover, the, the 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 limo, the beast, the the presidential limo, it does a does the pace lap. All these things have happened and like 10 laps in the race gets rained out and I wasn't really that upset about it. It didn't really. I mean, that has to be one of the first times in like the history of NASCAR, the history of motorsports that a rainout on race day just didn't really hurt that bad because it felt like you'd seen what you came to see. You saw all this crazy over-the-top production, and I can't imagine what it might have looked like at the Daytona 500 being there with all the security that was probably there and all the additional precautions that were likely being taken. I have a friend, Jason Dukes, that that worked in NASCAR for a long time. He's actually been on my podcast. Uh, He's a performance coach. He's a great guy and worked with him for two or three years, and Jason was telling me he worked for NASCAR for a long time, and he was telling me some stories of how they kind of make some of those things look like the president's out in front of everybody in this really open area, but they've, pro- they've got him cornered off. They've got him in as enclosed of an area or kind of an off, off the beaten path area as they possibly can to still get the shots they need, but not really expose him to any danger. And it's just thinking about all these things, we were laughing because the race gets rained out and it didn't really seem like that big of a deal because all the initial pomp and circumstance and presentation and all these things I'm not going to say that it completely overshadowed the race because the race actually, you know, the next day became worldwide news with a uh, shout out to God, uh, Ryan Newman, walking away from an insane crash on the last lap of the race. But that's a story for another day. Uh, again, thank, thankful that Ryan was able to walk away and the sto- The race did make mainstream you know, news all around the world, but it, it had it already did so by way of Trump's presence. And my point here today and I've, I've really been all around it. But I, it's time that drag racing understand, as a sport, collectively, all of us get on board with all that extra stuff. And I'll tell you, all of that pomp and circumstance, there's a couple people that I think are already doing a phenomenal job with it. Like Donald Long, for all the, the hell he takes for some of the things that he does... One of the things that he does exceptionally well is is put on that show. When you go down to to lights out or, or the sweet 16 or no mercy and you win one of those races, I won't say there's all the initial he used to do more of this. He used to have a band come in or, you know, a big flag spread out across I mean, He did all sorts of pre-race things. I think some of that stuff has faded I hate that because it, it needs to be brought back. It's so easy to think that stuff's not important, but my Lord, it's important. But he does a phenomenal job after the race. Like He does such a great job creating experiences for racers, for fans, the, the winner's circle photos, wearing the fur coat, putting on the hat, getting the cash, getting the the lightsaber or whatever he hands out, big ass swords or Thor hammers, bottles of champagne, He's got the 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 corrugated plastic signs that are night. Like everything he does really adds to that experience. And I think it draws racers in. It draws fan fans in. It creates interest. and it just adds layers to the experience overall. if like, what if the racing wasn't that great? But if you create all these other experiences at the race, and I say that, don't not try to call the NHRA out because I think they do. Some of this stuff. I mean, we've got the guy parachuting in the with the American flag, and, and we've got the, the national anthem, but I think we really don't do enough of that. I, I don't think we spend enough time celebrating Grand Marshals. We don't... Intrad- All that initial pomp and circumstance around these events is so important. The problem with it, and this is just one of the things that I think drag racing, it's it's always been part of our Achilles heel, is that so many of our participants... They have other businesses. They have other... Drag racing is packed full, even in the pro ranks, of people that have other outside endeavors, right? So it's hard for them to be famous drag racer guy, famous racer, famous team owner through the week because they're running their business. They're doing other things to pay for their racing, right? So it's it's tough where you don't have that with NASCAR. You don't have that with, with boxing. Tyson Fury, the reigning heavyweight champion of the world, this guy's a boxer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So he's making time, he's making he's making it a priority to do his media days, to do his interviews. And I, I, I wanna use this conversation here today as a bit of a rallying cry. To, to get involved, to play the game. Those boxers, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, everybody on that card, they knew that they had a certain obligation a promotional responsibility if they want to make this money if they want to race excuse me fight in front of huge crowds if they want to set records and if they want to have a following sell merchandise all these things they have to play the game there's more to it than just stepping into the squared circle and and fighting a man there's more to it that's obviously massively important but there is more to it there's other aspects to promote and they're often overlooked but incredibly important. And I think that from the top to bottom, I challenge racers, all of you listening, to to put yourself out there and play the game a little bit. Even over the course of the last, you know, 15 years of doing the magazine, Drag Illustrated, then doing this podcast, doing my live shows on social media, the other things, the the live interview stuff that I've done. I've been blown away by how many racers just aren't tuned in to that part of the world. I was actually just having a conversation with with our editorial team at Drag Illustrated this morning, and we were talking about some racers who just never want to do interviews, never want to participate, never call back, don't, don't post on social, don't do anything to play the game. They think their job is just to go let the clutch out right? Just to smash the gas. They, that's what they think their job is. And while that's a component of it, I would argue that a lot of the reason we are where we are as a sport, in a lot of ways, sucking hind tit, in a lot of ways. I mean, if you look at the world of motorsports, I I don't see any way to make an argument that, that drag racing is leading the way in terms of popularity, in terms of Uh, fan interest, in terms of mainstream media attention, in terms of sponsorship revenue, in terms of attendance and ticket sales, in terms of social media searches, Google searches. I just don't know that we are leading the way really anywhere the way that I believe we should. I've argued before, drag racing is the great American motorsport. Going back to Daytona 500, and this is something that I speak here with certainty. This is not belief. This is certainty that drag racing is the great American motorsport. You can't argue with me about it. It it is racing two cars against. It happened as soon as the second car rolled off the, the assembly line. I venture to say they raced them. They raced them in a straight line. They didn't dig up a road course. They didn't go build a circle track with crazy banking. They raced them in a straight line. It's what they did. They drag raced them, right? Even the Daytona 500, like I was getting ready to say, the most exciting part of that whole deal, right, is the drag race to the finish line, coming out of that final turn, headed towards the checkered flag. It's the most exciting part, right? That's when all the eyeballs are there. That's when everybody sits up and pays attention. Not to mention the fact that drag racing is so easy to understand, so easy to describe and explain to people. We're going to line these two cars up. We're going to drive us in a straight line as fast as we can. And the first one of the finish line wins. So easy to understand. It's that simplicity. So important. So important that it's not complex. It's not hard to understand. Not to mention the fact that everybody's done it. Almost everyone. If you've got a driver's license, and probably for some people that don't, you've likely experienced a speed contest. You've pulled up to a stoplight and had someone roll up next to you. not today, not today, right? You've experienced that going to whip out and pass someone on the interstate or on an old two lane blacktop where you had to kick it down, whip out and pass someone, right? For those of us in the Midwest, you're whipping out and pass, passing an Amish buggy. That's so what you do, those buggies are going like eight miles an hour. You, you got to get around them, Right? kick it down, whip out, blow around them. It feels good. It feels, you get a little tingle, you know, you get a tingle. It's a sensation. It's a body sensation. Whip out, blow the doors off some Amish buggy. Greatest feeling in the world. They look like they just saw God, a spaceship just went by them. It's the best feeling in the world. And I say all this because, oh, we're missing. All those things I just said, they're there in spades, man. Drag racing has so many what I believe to be awesome components like all the little check boxes they're there there are arguments that can be made that it's over fast that right these races don't last long but think about the the argument that i was making about the tyson fury deontay wilder fight a few minutes ago deal could have been over in a hurry it could have been over in six seven seconds it could have been i've watched ufc fights that have been over in 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 that amount of time four or five seconds i have and i was okay. Would I have loved for it maybe to have drawn out a little bit longer? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I'll tell you what I enjoy almost as much as the fight. All the pomp and circumstance. All the stuff I was just talking about. All the other stuff that goes on around it. That's what drag racing's missing. The point I'm trying to make here today is that we've got the meat and potatoes. We've got the filet mignon of a sport, especially of a motorsport. We have the filet mignon of motorsports, no question, no question in my mind. But we don't have anything else on the plate. We're not doing a great job of putting other stuff on the plate. Sometimes you got to have what's it like, parsley? Or, like the little green, they look like four leaf clovers, but they're not, and you're not supposed to eat them, but they're on your plate at fancy restaurants. We don't have any glazes, um, any really impressive wine reduced sauces. We don't have enough of that stuff. And a lot of times, like, I'm shout out to the guy jumping out of the plane with the flag. Awesome but it's not enough plus we've been doing that for like 6000 years that should be one of the things that we do there should be all this pomp and circumstance there should be all this pre-race stuff like it there's got to be more than walking them out on a stage and introducing them and if that's we have to find ways to tell their stories to get people interested in this stuff to add to the to the pre-race production add to the post-race production add that's where we have to be finding ways to spend more money to get more people involved to find ways to make it interactive find ways i've and i've i've thought about this before we need we need more and there's part of it is that and shame on racers for not participating in it that's a big problem that we're facing is that we don't have enough racers that are willing to play the game willing to do the interviews willing to 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 Im- it it go in on all those things. And I think that it's really going to take a conversation. It's going to take getting everybody together, everybody and the NHRA. It's going to take getting all interested parties together and getting everybody to buy in, getting everybody. Here's where we're trying to go here. And here's some of the things that we're going to need to, to achieve that, to, to get there. And we're going to need everybody to play along. We're going to need everybody to participate. I've seen it firsthand. The how much effort goes into just tracking racers down. Man, can we get these guys to come to an interview deal? We can't get anybody come to come to a pre-race uh, media luncheon. We can't get anybody to do a conference call. We can't do anybody get anybody to to participate in these things. Shame on those racers. But at the same time, shame on shame on everybody, because we've allowed that situation to exist. We've allowed that to happen. A. It it should be mandatory. A. You, you've got to play along. If you're going to be a professional drag racer and you're going to be one of our guys or gals, for that matter, you got to play along. Don't care. You, you have to care. You have to understand that there is a part of this. There is a promotional responsibility. we share it. It's a shared thing. Now, granted the NHRA, I know these racers, I've had these arguments. I've, I've had these discussions. I've had these arguments and there's no, there's no incentive. There's very, they don't, there's not a great, there's maybe not enough of an incentive package for the racers to want to participate in that stuff. But a lot of it is just getting everybody working together. We talked about this in the last episode of the podcast. There's a disconnect. There's not enough communication. There's not There's not, in my opinion, there's not enough juice, everybody kind of working together. We're not all swimming the same direction. And until that happens, these things are going to be a problem. Because when I look at these other forms of motorsports, when I look at other sports, they are just kicking our ass in the presentation department. The presentation alone, like again, speaking of motorsports specifically, Formula One. I think they might have the worst on-track product in sports, in everything. The worst... I can't really think of anything. There's only a handful of teams that can win. And it's really, really, really boring most of the time. But they do such an incredible job with all the pre-race stuff, with all the early stuff, with all the the buildup and all the driver and the team following them around and the series on Netflix. If you haven't watched that, watched that series on Netflix, it's unbelievable. It almost very came very close to turning me into a Formula One fan. It actually did turn me into a Formula One fan. I became a fan, bought a video game for my kid. I mean, I became a fan. I paid for some streaming service so I could watch Monaco or what? which one race was it? I watched one of these races like at three or four in the morning. I couldn't believe it. I, I wanted to see who won. It was, I couldn't believe that I cared that much, but they did that to me. That was a strategic thing. they, they found a way to tell me a story to capture my attention. And then they, they, they continued to get me to invest by, by putting on this big show. And it, it kind of lightened the, the, the blow. It, it lessened the blow. Excuse me. Whenever I watched like probably what was my first ever formula one race and wasn't that I wasn't blown away. I wasn't the action wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I was so invested in the outcome by way of all these other things, all the other things on the plate, that I couldn't, I literally couldn't get I haven't been able to get enough of it since. Really. And that's what I really wish if I had a wish for the sport of drag racing, especially in I think a lot of times the NHRA people get frustrated. And I know people in that camp, in Glendora, in Indiana, in, in Indianapolis, they uh It'll get a little salty because they feel like they're kind of the focal point of any bashing or any, any critical thought that goes on in drag racing. And I hate that, but it's also heavy as the head that wears the crown, right? I mean, when you're the show, when you are the big, big, big leagues of drag racing, I mean, man, you're going to probably have to deal with the, the bulk of the criticism, because you're you're driving the bus, man. You're leading the way. And I just, honestly, I feel like maybe a little bit more of this, these conversations have to be had out in the open, out in public, to where maybe at some point, someday, we can change things. Maybe it's possible. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I do think that a a massive investment, in the the pomp and circumstances and all the ancillary things. I believe in um and I'm sorry guys I'm still fighting a little bit. I'm still a little sick. Still a little sick. I I I take so many I take supplements, I drink water, I'm healthy, I try to be, I work out. I I I feel like I have a pretty good diet. Sick. Sick. I mean still, you hear me? I I know I should Lean away. I apologize. But I keep having to like sniffle a little bit. Um, I apologize. My point, I got to quit saying that. This could be a drinking game. One of the things, if I can leave you with anything, I think this is important for promoters. Uh, there's a Promoters in drag racing are kind of like on the come up. It's become a thing to promote drag racing. And... It's cool in a lot of ways. I know that there are there are those of us in the promotion gang in that in that world that get a little worn out by everybody's a race promoter because they have a Facebook page. I'm not calling anybody out. It's just a fact. I know there's those of us that really labor over it that spend weeks, if not months and years, working on events and doing all sorts of things to make sure that they're spectacular. And and it's easy to get a little bit. Uh, Yeah, a little offended when everybody's a promoter. Everybody calls himself a drag racing promoter. But if you do, it's okay. And I'm telling you here today, don't lose sight of the fact that that's putting on a show is important. Putting on a show is so important. And it's, and I honestly think going back to like Donald Long and South Georgia Motorsports Park, no one's going to want to hear this. And I don't want to have a debate about safety here today. Let's just shelve that debate. We will have it. Promise from, I promise we'll have it. We'll, we'll argue about the, st- about starting line safety. A- and, uh, and I'm probably on your side. We'll have that conversation. I, but for the sake of this discussion, man, all those people on the starting line down in Valdosta, it's part of the show. It, it is part of the show. They try to police it, but I think there's a certain amount of letting that happen. I'm not, I don't know that they plan it because they probably would never admit to that because of the aforementioned safety concerns. However, I kind of think they let it happen. I think they let it happen to a certain extent because man, those photos are iconic. Those photos, there is a photo of Keith Haney lined up against Stevie Jackson on the starting line of South Georgia Motorsports Park and it's wall to wall, people. Don't think that photo doesn't sell pictures. Don't think that photo didn't cause someone to go spend 300 grand building a Radio versus the World car. It guaranteed, guaranteed $300,000 was spent on a rolling chassis. And then an engine and a drivetrain and all the necessary electronics to go radial versus the world racing. Guaranteed that photo sold a race car. No doubt in my mind. I understand, again, all the safety issues, but that's part of the show. It it is. And I encourage promoters, especially it's early in the season, right? There's there's only been a handful of races even happen. So all of you out there that are thinking about putting on a race, or are putting on a race, don't sleep on that other stuff that needs to be on your plate. Have a filet mignon. Have at least a good protein, right? Chicken breast, a burger even suffices. And you know what? Maybe that's not a bad, maybe your race is a filet. Maybe it's a a breaded chicken breast. This is a reach. Maybe it's a burger. Maybe it's a hot dog. And none of those, all those food, every one of those I'm eating. Right, I like them all. I like all those things, and that's important because no matter which one of those you are or where you're at in your journey, it's okay. Be proud of it, but remember, there's got to be other stuff on the plate. And maybe with filet mignon, you need you you need like uh some French beans, French green beans, right? Maybe it needs to be a little a little fancier, right? Maybe sea salt and uh, cracked pepper on some gratin potatoes right? But if you got a hot dog, you might just need like an ice cream sandwich and some crinkle cut fries. My point is, we're all disappointed if we just get that protein on the plate. Anybody who's had a high protein, low carb diet can tell you how bad that sucks. It sucks. I used to be like 250 pounds tank and I lost a lot of weight by way of high protein, like zero carbs. And it sucked horrible to get a plate or go anywhere and order strictly protein. Just order like Just the protein, no bun, no fries, no sides whatsoever. I'm just over here trying to be miserable and hate my life. So um, just give me nothing extra. Man, your event needs extra. And it's not if you're... Matter of fact, your business needs extra. Your business needs... I've said this a lot, but if you're in business in 2020, you're in show business. To some extent, you are putting on a show. The, The expectation is so high, thanks to... Amazon and same day shipping and return anything for any reason. Customers always right mentality. Man, the expectation on business owners, entrepreneurs, race promoters, the list goes on. The expectation is the NHRA. The expectation is so high. We've been spoiled, man. We we forget how spoiled we are. Like you think about the production of some of these events. You think about some of the return policies for these major uh, uh, retailers. It's crazy. Right? I mean, you can basically order anything from Amazon, not like it, return it, get your money back. No big deal. Change your mind. I mean, it's crazy. They might give you your money back and let you keep it. It's insane. It's madness. So it's no surprise that people expect a lot of race promoters, that people expect a lot of everybody. And I think that if you're a race promoter headed into 2020, your event hasn't happened, man. Lay awake tonight thinking about how you can make it extra. Thinking about how you can add a little little sizzle to the program. It's important to pay your racers. Obviously, that's the top thing. It's important to provide them. This is the tough thing. You know, and this is, I'm having a little bit of a revelation here today. I remember one time telling a, a business mentor of mine what, uh, some of my goals. This has been quite a while. I remember this actually very well. I was in it was like in 2013 in the summer of 2013 and I set a couple of our goals for my business for that year. And it's kind of embarrassing because when I said them, I remember saying them out loud and going, "Oh, he's not going to respond well to this. These these aren't great goals." And I said the goals. And he goes, "Wes, those aren't goals." And I'm like, "Oh boy. Those are expectations." Those are standards. What are are we talking about? And I thought, shit, he's right again. He was right. I mean, the things that I was saying, they should go without saying. Of course, those are the things we're going to do. Those aren't goals. And it really, it rattled me that day. And it kind of, it hits me here today that providing a safe racetrack, that's not a goal. That's an expectation. Of course you are. Of course, you're going to provide EMTs. Of course, you're going to try to run a well. That's not enough. Calling people to the lanes in a timely manner, that's an expectation. That shouldn't be a goal. Having the race end at a reasonable time, that's not a goal. That's an expectation. Paying everybody, paying your advertised purse, doing what you say you're going to do, that's not a goal. You shouldn't go into your race going, man, I'm going to really try hard to pay everybody, you know? Maybe that's part of the problem. It, no, that's not acceptable. Man, we're going to try to get the race done before six o'clock on Tuesday in the morning you know, or whatever. And that's not a shot. I'm just, it's a fact. Those aren't goals. Those are expectations. Of course, all those things should go without saying. Your goals should be, how am I going to find a way to make this memorable? I just dropped like two grand on a 30 foot by eight foot tall backdrop for the winter circle of our race coming up in a couple of weeks. And this is just an example. Catering for the party I'm throwing on Friday night at our um, World Door Slammer Nationals Coming up, presented by C Manufacturing March six sixth, seventh, and eighth, twenty twenty, Orlando Speed World Dragway. The the Mexican food I'm catering in, I think it's seven grand. And I'm mean, I'm just I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm just saying those little those extra things, that's not That's not, we, you have to go out and work hard for that. You have to go out and find partners that can support those kind of decisions. And that's what we're doing. We're not just blowing money like drunken sailors. We, we, it's a business. We do it strategically, but I'm telling you, I treat the catering as important, as seriously as I treat track prep. And I don't think that happens a lot. I treat making sure we have racer packets for all of our racers when they roll through the gate. That's as important as, Getting water off the track if it were to rain. It's that important. I look at the big ass check, the BAC, the four by eight 10 millimeter corrugated plastic check that we're going to put in the hands of a couple of guys uh or gals on on Sunday afternoon. That big check, the artwork on it, the the sign it's important. It's so important. It's monumentally important. Those things that I think. They feel optional. For a lot of promoters, those things are, are optional, right? Those are the, eh, maybe we can get that done. I'm telling, and I don't get it. I'm right about this. I speak with it. I'm trying to say this with absolute certainty. This isn't my opinion. It is my opinion. But these things are important, and promoters, I mean, whether, no matter how high, where you're at, whether hot dog, filet mignon, wagyu beef, somewhere in between, these things are important. They're not optional. I understand they're. It's scalable. You don't have to start at the top with championship rings. You don't have to start with with thousand dollar trophies and crazy backdrops and and photography. You don't have to start there. You you should aspire to get there, but you gotta try. You gotta do some of those extra things. You've got to find a way to to. To add to the experience and create a memorable experience, an experience that's not only going to be phenomenal for the racers that support you and all these guys, but it's going it's, it's to inspire other racers, people you don't know, to maybe want to come be a part of your event. And it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be big checks. It doesn't have to be trophies. It doesn't have to be necessarily championship rings. It doesn't have to be catered parties. It can be free ice cream. Luke Bogacki, his drag race, one of his events, his door slammer shootout that he has, sponsored by JEGS. Shout out to our friends at JEGS. He, uh, he gives away ice cream. That's kind of one of the shticks, one of the, the, the deals that he does at his race. Yeah, you know, I just wipe my hand on my, wipe my nose, wipe my hand on my jeans. Pretty, pretty hillbilly. It showed up a little bit, flared up. Luke does a phenomenal job with ice cream, adding to the show. Free ice cream right? There's, a, there's literally a, a fridge, a freezer at the base of the tower packed with ice cream all weekend during his door slammer shootout. It's, it's a crazy thing. It sounds simple. It probably costs, I don't know, a few hundred dollars to execute it. Maybe more. I don't know. But it's so important. It's so massively important because it just becomes one of those things that adds to the experience. People talk about it. It's fun. It's fun for kids. It's fun for the wives. It's fun for the, the dad that pays for everything, right? It just adds something to it. So I challenge you, in 2020, find a way. Find a way to add, add a little something to the show. Find a way to put on a show, and I think that that is something. And we're, do, and you know, I, I'm, I, you know, to speak directly to the NHRA, they're they're doing their damnedest. They are trying hard. They they've got the stages. They do the walkouts. I think those things need to be maybe just talked about more. Maybe there needs to be videos that that are that are being circulated on social media so we see them happening immediately. I don't know. There there has to be a way to add a little bit of sizzle to all those things to change them up to maybe look at the other sports. One of the things that I love about the UFC and boxing boxing, I don't think does near as good of a job with it. Well, they do some, but the UFC does a spectacular job with press conferences. I, that seems simple, but man, the NHRA, excuse me, the UFC does a phenomenal job with pre event and post event press conferences. They treat it like a big deal. They get a lot of participation from the media. And I think that sometimes we're fearful of starting things for not starting at the finish line, right? Like, I think that there's probably some resistance to doing a big press conference at a drag race or the NHRA doing that type of stuff for fear that it won't be well attended or it won't get a lot of attention. I think you got to do it anyways. I think you got to do it anyways, 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 you got to do it. People will come around eventually it'll happen, but it's a, it's a long play. These things take time. They really do. I think the NHRA has done a good job getting really behind Brian loans. He's doing a lot of Brian loans and Lewis bloom, specifically Amanda Busick. They're doing a great job of getting behind them and really kind of forcing them into the spotlight, doing, doing videos, producing in-house clips on, on for YouTube, specifically for YouTube, specifically for social media. It was a bit of a mouthful, but they're, they're trending there. I do believe some efforts, some fresh blood's gotten in there. I think that there's some youth and enthusiasm, but we need a lot more of it. We need a lot more pomp and circumstance it needs. But again, the racers have to play along and you're going to find especially, you know, you know, those of you putting on small regional events or, or local shootouts, things like that. Those are it, you're gonna you're gonna deal with racers that maybe have never had a camera in their face, maybe have never been interviewed. So it's a it's a process. And like I said, it's all it's there's scale, right? It's a kind of a sliding scale. The what's important and how it's done at this highest level at the NHRA is obviously gonna be much different than what's going on at Luke Bogacki's bracket race, right? And the, the level of production or the expectation. At the top, the same way I challenge promo, promoters and and series administrators and everything else. I I challenge racers to play along. You have to be willing to participate. Show up for the media scrums. Show up, do the interviews, answer the calls, participate, shoot the videos. You have to do those things. I I mean, we beg of you. Those of us in the media are truly begging of you. It would uh, make everybody's life infinitely easier. It really would. But I, I challenge racers to play the game. If you're a guy that's letting off a button or letting off the clutch or driving a race car this weekend somewhere, no matter what you're doing, challenge yourself to to put on a little bit of show yourself, you know, and if it's if you can't do it, if you can't let yourself do it on the track with a big burnout or being dramatic, you know, slow to stage or or I understand if you don't want the show to creep into your program, I understand if you're a real serious bracket racer and you're not gonna, you know, you're not the guy that's gonna do some crate, you can't do a cross the line burnout or whatever, right? You're you're not gonna have you know take the wheelie bars off your car and have it drag in the bumper. I understand. Remember that the show doesn't just happen on the racetrack. The show happens in the pits. The show happens on social media. The show happens everywhere. It sh- it happens at your at your shop. The show happens everywhere you are. So play, put put on a show. Challenge yourself to to make some posts on social media, to let some people know what you're up to, to let some people see a little bit of who you are, right? Play along, because that's going to make the job of the aforementioned race promoters much, much easier. It makes it, it puts a light at the end of the tunnel that maybe it's going to work, because it takes everybody. Your role is significant, whether you're a promoter or a racer or a fan, but each one of us kind of have have our job to do, right? And when we all were working together, that's most assuredly when the magic happens, but it, but it all makes a difference. Everybody doing their part will make a difference over the course of time. So promoters, here in 2020 and beyond, as you get ready for your race, don't lose sight of the, the pomp and circumstance, what extra things you can do It's every bit as important as the payout. It really is. It's every bit as important as the round money. I'll tell a funny story. This is really... I use this one a lot. Um, This is a great point maker, in my opinion. I think back to... It was an ADRL race. I'm going to name names for the most part here. I've told this story much more generically. But for the new podcast and my commitment to, to being open and honest. I was at the ADRL race in... I don't know what year it was. The American Drag Racing League had rolled into Maple Grove Raceway in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. I believe it was the first time they'd ever they were ever there. It, I believe it was, and it was the first time I'd been at that track in a long time. I'd been there well prior, way prior, but this it'd been the first. It was the first time I was there in a long time, and that place is—I'm getting off track—but just such a cool race track. It's it, there's an air. There's something about there's something special about Maple Grove, right? I mean, it it is unique. If you've never been there, I encourage you to add it to your list. Try to work it into your schedule to take in a big event there or an event of any kind. It's definitely a unique facility, and I'm actually very thankful it didn't go away. It changed hands lately, uh, recently, and I was worried, legit worried, that something was going to happen. But I was at Maple Grove a few years back. It's been a it's been a minute. It's been a while ago, and there was a. There was a uh, a big race going on. The, ADR, the ADRL was in town, and I remember a friend, a, a dude, well, I'll, I'm going to name names. Rick Jones. It was Rick Jones. Rick Jones, uh, him and his son, Ricky Jones, who are incredible human beings, just great people. I've known these guys for a long time. They're Midwest guys, Galesburg, Indiana or Illinois, excuse me. Uh, Ricky was on the cover of Drag Illustrated 34, I believe. So, 120 issues ago, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I remember driving over to Galesburg. Uh, I'd known Rick and Ricky for a long time before that, but great people. Ricky was running Pro Stock at the time, and just big time up and comer. He's now the crew chief on Jeg Coughlin Jr.'s NHRA Pro Stock car. They've been hell bent for. I mean, they've been kicking ass and taking names here this season so far. Anyways. Rick and Ricky are running P- ADRL Pro Nitrous. They've built a 69 Camaro dark blue kind of their color, a uh, uh, quarter max blue. They've built this car. It's got a 800 some odd cubic inch rear Morrison motor in it. They are they're swinging for the fences. They are going to go after one of the most competitive classes in all of drag race and they're going to be successful and they qualify number one. Huge deal. Right? These are guys that have kind of made their name in Pro Stock. Mountain Motor Pro Stock, Pro Stock Truck, NHRA Pro Stock. They're Pro Stock guys over there in Galesburg. Now they're running Pro Mod, Nitrous Pro Mod on the eighth mile, and it is, they are making a showing. They qualify number one, and I remember... And this is no, this is again, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but there's a situation where they qualify number one and someone from the series or whatever comes over to get their photo and present them with their check. It's like 500 bucks. They're going to get 500 bucks for qualifying number one at this uh, ADRL Pro Nitrous Race. So the, they come over, they hand Rick and uh, Ricky the plaque, and they're going to take a picture in front of the car. Cheese. Take a picture, the plaque, here's your check, whatever. So Rick. I believe Rick Jones is holding the plaque, right? And he's kind of looking at this thing, ADRL, Pro Nitrous, number one qualifier, blah, 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 and beaming, you know? So they hand him his check, 500 bucks, and someone says, hey, can I have that, give me that plaque back? And Rick, what? What do you mean, give you the plaque back? He goes, "Ah, that's just a prop. Nobody cares about those things. Everybody's got a million of them. Nobody cares about it. Racers just want the check. And Rick goes, are you crazy? That $500 won't fill up the diesel, won't fill our toter with diesel. I, I What? No, I'm keeping this plaque. You No, nobody cares about that stuff. Nobody cares about a plaque. That, you get them at car shows. Nobody cares. The racers just want the money. Bullshit not a chance, man. Ain't nobody making money racing. Very few people. There are those that do. Not a lot. They exist, but they are few and far between, man. All those extra things, plaques, make all the difference in the world. I would argue that Rick and Ricky spent themselves silly, worked their tails off trying to be successful with what are one of the hardest cars to run. They will tell you those cars, a nitrous pro mod car is massively difficult to race successfully. Cra- to to run at the front and be contend for a championship, set record, so qualify number one. It's very, very hard. And they they had that was a crowning achievement that for them. A huge moment. And that plaque meant everything. Hanging it on the wall at their shop. It means everything. And I would encourage you, don't forget that. Don't sleep on it. It's so, so important, man. I've got a handful of things behind me. I got a hat that Donald Long gave me, a leather hat, a leather cowboy hat that Donald and Stephanie Long gave me for uh, I, I, my contribution or whatever to Lights Out and his races down in Valdosta. And it was a huge moment. It, it, it's something that I'll treasure forever. I've got a, a championship ring right here in front of me that uh, Alex Laughlin gave me after he won the NHRA U.S. Nationals last year, he had uh, the NHRA had rings made and he got me one. We've become buddies and we hang out a lot and uh, see each other a lot. And he he got me one of these rings and I'll never I'll never forget it. It means so much to me. I mean, it's on my desk. I st- it's in front of me every day. And don't lose sight of that stuff because put as much effort into making sure that you're going to get a big check made or that you're going to get rings made or that you're going to get a bottle of champagne with a, with a sticker on it, right? Or, or you're going to get plaques made for your top qualifiers. Put as much time and effort into that as you do making sure they get 500 bucks, right? As, as much effort as you do prepping the track, or for no prep guys, scraping the track or whatever, right? Destroying the track, <laughs> right? Reverse anti prepping it, you know? Those put as much focus on that because that's, I believe drag racing lacks a little sizzle. I look around, And I see whether it's Formula One. I had this thought the other day. People, I was watching professional bull riding. I was watching JB Mooney. I I can't remember if, I don't know if this just happened or if it was something I saw on YouTube, which is like a bit of a, it's like a wormhole. You start recommended videos. You're watching one and then it recommends another one and you you can't say no, got to watch it. Then there's another one. And it just happened to be JB Mooney uh, securing his 500th ride. His 500th ride on the back of a one of them crazy bulls, unbelievable. And I'm looking at this place packed. I'm looking at the brands: Monster, Jack Daniels, Dickies, all these big tech brands. Unbelievable. I'm looking around. I'm seeing all these brands. J.B. Mooney's like a skinny, tall, skinny billboard. He's everything he's wearing has a logo on it. I mean, I I've I've got a J.B. Mooney story for another day. I ran. I partied with this guy in St. Louis like a long time ago. I've uh, spent a whole night with this dude. Wild scene. JB Mooney's covered in logos. The best case scenario for a bull ride. Eight seconds. Best case scenario. Like that's the win. Like a a, a full pull or whatever. Eight seconds. And I mean, they've got one major brand, one fortune 500 company after another involved. J.B. Mooney's a superstar, son. This guy's famous. I'm not saying he's Brad Pitt famous, but he's going to get noticed at Walmart. He's going to get noticed at the mall. He's going to pose for some photos. Outside of John Force, I don't know that there is another drag racer that... I don't know that there's a single other drag racer that has that kind of recognizable mainstream stardom. I mean, and and crazy, not I almost said tragically, but it's not tragic. It's awesome. But like Big Chief, Murder Nova, Asian, Farm Truck, those guys, way more visible than any pro-level drag racer outside of maybe John Force, right? I mean, and I would say at this point in time, probably better known. Probably better known. And that's another example. Racing is such a secondary component to street outlaws. It's like, duh. It's the expectation. Going back to my goals and expectations conversation, of course they're going to race. It's a show about racing, but all the extra stuff's more important. All the storytelling and all the little sideline inside jokes and everything, it's more important. I don't. I'm not saying we need to strap someone to a office chair and put a nitrous bottle in their arms and spin them in circles at five thousand miles per hour. I'm not saying we need a ton of of sideshow acts. We don't. But we do. It's high time that, as a sport, from high to low, and this is that we invest in show business. That we we get a little more serious about putting on a show. But it's not gonna. It's gonna take everybody. It's going to take everyone. Everyone's going to have to play along. Everybody's going to have to get on board. And you know what? You can probably start driving the bus at your race. You can be a part of the solution, man. Put on, when you put on your races or when you go to a race and race, do interviews. Talk to people. Get checks made. (laughs) I keep saying that, but that's that's a layup. That's a big, that's a layup. Big checks are a layup. Those are easy to get done and they make a big difference. Do all the extra stuff, man. Get jackets made. All those things. The extra stuff makes all the difference, man. Put on a show in your business. I'll tell you what. There's a handful of examples. I think about... I think about Doug Cook at Motion Raceworks. I don't do any real business with this guy or anything, so this isn't like a paid promotion. Silly things. Part of the show. He throws some gushers or some Sour Patch Kids or some shit in every box that he ships. Every box they ship from their store, they he throws a bag of his like favorite candy in there. They're, I think they're sour gushers. That's the impact that he's made. I know the candy this guy likes. Things like that, it makes a difference, man. So, free ice cream, Luke Bogacki. I don't know that he wants to be known as the ice cream man. That was Master P. It was a name of a rap album. It's actually great. It's a song, Mister Ice Cream Man. Um, I'm talking about rap. It's a little bit of a thing too, that I also am a big fan of rap music. But my point here is that there's probably, there's nothing more important than a free ice cream sandwich or those little things, man, play, weave that into your program, get serious about plaques, get serious about jackets, find ways to add to the experience, to put on a show, to create an experience, create a memory That brings people back because great racing is an expectation. It's not a goal, right? Um, World-class track prep, an organized event, all those things aren't goals. They're expectations, right? Especially now, especially here and now, all those things are expectations. Clean bathrooms, expectation, not a goal, right? Uh, Organized parking, that's an expectation, not a goal, right? All those things, fast moving lines, that's an expectation, not a goal. Set your goals on on creating a memorable experience or leaving a lasting impact on somebody. Telling a story and, and, and getting someone invested in you. That's uh, whether it's your event, your race team, anything. Get people invested in you. Open up a little bit. Tell some stories. Put some sizzle on it. Until next time, guys. We'll do it again soon.